Thank you for joining us for this Prima podcast. My name is Taekwon Gilbert. I am the education coordinator at Prima and the moderator for today's podcast. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was designed to increase awareness regarding the significance of cybersecurity, as well as provide the necessary resources to ensure people are safe and secure online. To commemorate the 16th anniversary of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, Prima created a National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Each week during the month of October, Prima will feature podcasts that share important information about cybersecurity. Today's podcast speaker, David Zito, will discuss how to prepare for and respond to a cyber attack. He is the Deputy Section Chief for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency's Host Forensics Section. Please enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, David. Thank you for having me, Taekwon. I'm excited to be here and to talk about responding and preparing for cyber attacks. So first question, what do you do for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency? That's a great question. So my title and my day job is the Deputy Section Chief for the Host Forensic Section. And I sit within the threat hunting branch of CISA. So we specialize in finding and responding to cyber attacks And once we find or notified that an attack has occurred, my group sends a team of highly specialized cyber investigators out to an organization that was attacked to assist them in investigating the attack, mitigating the attack, and expelling any sort of attackers from the boundaries of their organization. Typically, as we've gone out and kind of pitched who we are, because we're a relatively new organization underneath the Department of Homeland Security, we've run into a lot of people who don't know who we are and don't know what services we provide out and think that we, as a government organization, just help and assist the federal government. That's not true at all. Like our, our customers, our constituents, the people that we go out and assist as any organization within the United States, which gives us a really large constituent base. We do like to they primarily focus on organizations that are you know, defined as critical infrastructure. But even that is a, a pretty large group of organizations. You know, when I think of that, you know, the obvious ones come in come to mind, like power plants, utilities, and even federal government departments and agencies kind of fall in that. But you know, just the strict definition of critical infrastructure, just those three that I listed there is very broad. And but it, it extends farther than that because all of those examples that I just provided have a supply chain and each member of that supply chain is considered critical infrastructure too. You know, think about a power plant. They don't build every single piece of machinery that runs the power plant themselves. They buy widgets and and, and machines and technology from from vendors and then they install that in, into the power plant. If what would happen if a vendor that provides a critical widget that that vendor is the only vendor that builds that widget and supplies it to, you know, a power plant you're supporting the national capital region. You know, if that vendor gets attacked and their services are interrupted and can't provide that widget to a power plant, that has a cascading effect. You know, that power plant could, you know, its services could stop. And then if its services stop, the the hospital that per, you know, gets power from it can't provide its services. Banks go down. It's a very broad category uh, of who who we do, and, and I love it. I, I think it, it it's incredibly interesting because there's 
we don't really see the same problem twice. So it's, it's a constantly changing environment with a wide array of skills and technologies that we see and we need. So it, it keeps us pretty busy. Now, can you define exactly what a cyber attack is? Yeah, and that, that's a great question. At its core, a cyber attack is just like a physical attack. I mean, you know, someone with malicious intent wants to do you harm in some way. So just like if you were assaulted on the street or if you were mugged or anything else unfortunate like that, those categories just are moved into the realm of cyber, you know, and computers are now involved. So you still have people who want to do you ill looking to break into, you know, your digital house and either damage it, deface it, or potentially even destroy that building and cause you some form of harm. This can take, this can come in multiple different forms. You all did a great podcast for week two about spear phishing. That's one of the most common forms of attack and ones that we see the most frequently, but the, there's others too, identity theft, brute forcing, denial of service. All of these kind of constitute a cyber attack and can impact an organization in, in, in different ways. You know, we're, we're constantly trying to you know, identify new ways that bad guys are attacking and formulate the proper defenses here. But it's, you know, a constant you know, arms race between us as the defenders and the attackers on, on what the new skill sets are. You know, we like to use the term TTPs, tactics, techniques, and procedures that they're developing to you know, kind of institute and, and, and attack us here in the United States. But ultimately, what we define as attack is, is like I said at the top, it's some form of malicious event that seeks to do you or your organization harm in some way, shape, or form, breaking and stealing your proprietary information, taking out a critical database or web server that you know makes you you, or even just knocking you off the internet through something like a denial of service. You know, anything that looks to cause you harm in some way, shape, or form is what we consider to be a cyber attack. So what can an organization do to prepare for a cyber attack before it occurs? I think when people start thinking about cyber and start thinking about how this is all technology-based, they look for technology answers. But I'll be quite honest, the places that I've seen that have weathered cyber attacks and, and built a resilient organization are the ones that have planned out their response. It, this is a critical piece to preparing for a cyber attack, because if you do not know exactly what you're going to do when an attack occurs, then how can you really and truly defend against it? The softer skill is what really makes or breaks an, an organization when they're the, the victim of a cyber attack. Planning and have and knowing exactly what pieces you have to defend against and what the right mix of resources are the best way to mitigate and defend against any attack. To facilitate a quick response, you really need to you know, plan out every single aspect of how you think an attack is going to occur to you. And you know, the examples I talked about in the last question, DDoS, spear phishing, you know, identity theft, brute forcing, plan out how your organization would respond to each of those because each of those require a different piece of technology as well as skill sets to effectively defend against. And also, knowing who has responsibility for each of those you know, defensive pieces is key, too, because you can know that all of the technology, like if you're a CISO in an organization and you know that you have all of those pieces somewhere in your environment, but you don't know exactly who you need to call when you're attacked by, you know, so let's say a DDoS, you don't know who you need to call in your organization to initiate your, your DDoS defenses. Is it the network team? Is it the SOC? Is it some sysadmins that 
you wouldn't think would normally have control over a DDoS defense, but you need to start planning out and, and building out your plan and who is part of that plan well before you're ever attacked. Even if you throw a ton of money at it and buy all the right tools and technologies to put in place there, you know, knowing how to utilize those when an attack occurs is what is going to keep your systems and your data and, you know, ultimately your personnel safe from, from any attack that may be headed your way. I really can't stress enough, like the, the softer skill of planning is crucial. And while you're doing this, go through your org chart and look through each of the, the different groups that make up your organization and identify how they fit into your response plan. You know, do they have any role in the defense uh, for you know whatever cyber attack may be coming? Who specifically in that organization has the responsibilities to step up when a, an attack occurs to provide the adequate defenses? Does that individual actually have the right skills needed to do it? Is that individual just a manager who will need to then you know activate their employees to uh, to assist in the defense? And how do you get in touch with these people? Like, I I can't tell you the number of times I've seen a response plan activated and they go to call the person who has control of a specific defensive technology and that person no longer works in the organization because no one had updated the communications tree or even built a communications tree to get in touch with that person should an attack occur. I mean, when you're ringing the big red phone. You want to make sure that the right person is answering on the other line because that could be the difference between, you know, $50,000 worth of damage and millions of dollars worth of damage. What are some best practices to respond to a cyber attack? So we talked about preparation. And like I said there, it's all about planning. But responding is all about how you put that pre- preparation into action. There isn't just one good way to respond to a cyber attack. Context is key. All those examples that I've I've tossed out, every one of them is going to require a different type of response. And the best way to formulate that response is to plan it out. As I I stressed in the previous question, that gives you the ability to do a little bit of self-reflection as you, you were doing the plans. How you get to see exactly where your strengths and your weaknesses are and know how to, you know, play to your strengths in time of crisis and mitigate your weaknesses too. You know, how exactly are you going to stop a denial of service or a spearfish? Do you have the right technologies in place? And you can see all what your response is going to be as you go through these plans, because you can, as you're stepping through the org chart, like I said a little bit ago, you can see, all right, well, we may not have the greatest visibility into email coming in. So what can we do to mitigate that? Uh, What can we do to, you know, kind of step up in that particular area? Like, do we have another person or technology in here that can provide us some sort of safeguard against a spearfish? And how will we enact that? Should we get notification or, or start seeing ourselves that a spearfish is incoming? Like, what do we do then to stop it? Like, identify the spearfish you know, through some notification that maybe SZA, for instance, puts out, or you know, say you've got a feed, an intelligence feed that from a third-party vendor that says there's a credible threat of spearfishing coming your way. You know, what do you do then one, see it, and two, stop it. You don't want to realize that you have no capabilities to defend against that as the attack's happening, because then you're, you, you run into scramble mode and, and panic starts to set in, and this panic starts to set in, then, then mistakes can happen. So being, being prepared and you know, formulating your, your, your response plan, I think, is the best way to actually respond to, to a cyber attack, because it gives you that ability to, to plan out and address any gaps in your capabilities before any of this happens. Also, 
on the topic of self-reflection, it's not enough to know exactly how you're going to defend it. And do you have the right pieces there and skills and personnel, but actually knowing who you are as an organization and what makes you tick is very important to this too. Like you're being targeted for a reason. You know, you may be some big, if you're a vendor of some sort that sells merchandise online, a DDoS is a perfect way to to stop you from doing what you're doing and to take out your services. Additionally, you're, you're storing all of this data inside uh, that uh, your, your sales and your, your claims and your processes within a, a database somewhere and likely have a web front end. All of those services that I just talked about have some piece of technology that, that runs them and makes you you. So it's important to know exactly where those are. So when when you do get an attack, I don't say if because everyone that has that's on the internet now is going to see an attack come their way at, at some point. But when you get attacked, knowing why you're getting attacked and what they may be targeting, what their potential motives is, gives you a leg up on defending against an attack. I've seen too often organizations that aren't experts in themselves and the attackers somehow are. They've done their research. They've studied up on them. They've done tons of searches. They've read all the open source material on what the, you know this particular company is and how it operates and what it does and have done their, their reconnaissance homework and know more about how the oper- how an organization ticks than the organization itself. And when you know, they, they attack and get in and, and, and make it through the first line of defense and have you know, a, a foothold within the organization, they quickly spread because they know exactly what to, to be looking for. So you know, going back to the, the e-commerce example, they know that they're going to have a web server, which is you know, a great way to get in to attack that and get in. There's going to be a database there that, that's tracking them. And, you know, if they want to just do as much harm to that organization as possible, go straight for that database, take it offline. You know, if they don't want to do something as quick and easy as a DDoS. So they shouldn't be the ones that are experts in, in your network and what makes you you. You should be. So in go as you're making this plan and going through these org charts, ask yourself if X system went down, how would that impact my business? And be sure to think outside of the box on it too, because your core business features that I was kind of talking about, web servers, databases, email, those are easy ones to think about. Those are a little obvious and what makes an organization unique. But think about all of the supporting services and the supporting technology that if it were to go dark, how would that impact how would that impact you? So a mail server or, you know, worst case, your domain controller goes down and now you have no ability to authenticate into other pieces of your network or send email to back and forth between your response team or your support staff. Like that just gives the the attackers, a, you know, a leg up and the advantage in there. So go through and make sure you identify all the critical systems, you know, business related and support related that if they were to go down, you know, what kind of impact that would have on you. Those are just a couple of good examples. But as I said, you should be the experts on your organization, what makes you tick. So there's probably trillions of different systems or services out there that make every single organization unique. So just go through, identify them, you know, learn, study, plan, use all those softer skills to like get ahead of an attack before an attack occurs. Now, what should you do once you get attacked? I'm going to sound like a bit of a broken record, but your response plan is key here. You know, fall back on that. Use that. Your know, technology is very important to this, but it's only a small piece of this. If you need to be 
familiar with your plan to successfully stop an attack. Kind of reiterating what I've been saying throughout the, you know, our entire discussion is make sure you, you have got all the staffs and groups identified in the plan and that everyone that is identified there routinely reads it and know intimately how they fit into the, the big picture plan. You know, I, I want to stress the word familiar here. You know, familiarization with your response plan and the tools and procedures to your response is critical to stopping and mitigating an attack, you know, either before it occurs or as it's, you know, build out a culture of familiarization. And that starts from the top. You have to have everyone's buy-in to your response plan for it to successfully succeed. You know, the CEO, the CISO, the CTO, the CIO, all, you know, all of the C-suite essentially needs to be bought in to this because they're the folks that need to be pushing it down the chain and then their reports push it down to their reports and finally makes it down to the operators. Is I've seen a lot of organizations that have a response plan in place, but if there's not this culture that is bought into security, and then it's not going to succeed. Everyone needs to make sure that they're familiar and versed and want the plan to succeed. And keeping it with familiarity, like once there's buy-in there, don't just sit. You know, Push things that stress the plan, like training. Training is critical to keeping the plan in everyone's minds and fresh. And I'm not talking about just sitting, you know, building a, you know, a training slide deck and having people sit there, although that is a very important feature and, and good for just routine education, but make tabletop exercises. Actually simulate an attack and run your plan through it. And stuff like that isn't going to occur without that buy-in from the top, as I was saying, because that costs a little bit of money, mainly in, in manpower and, and hours spent. But it, I want to say that, that it is absolutely vital because you don't want your staff within the organization to you know, crack it open, the, the response plan for the very first time as an attack is occurring. That's not the best way. And it's certainly, you want your staff to be very agile when an attack occurs, being able to just quickly fall into the plan like it's second nature because the bad guys that are launching these attacks, they're, they're people. Some of them might be using tools and, are, and uh, have a little bit of automation, but ultimately at the, the very back end of it, it's people and people are very agile and very, so you want to make sure that you're not going through decision trees and reading your response plan as the attack is occurring. You want your staff to be you know intimately familiar with it, you know, from its inception all the way to the first time you have to, you know, break the glass and, and, and get it out of the emergency um, safe all the way to the, the, the next time and the next time and the next time. Because in my career, a lot of my, my skills in dealing with attacks came while the attack was happening. And while it was valuable because it gave me real-world experiences, the places that I've been and assisted now, like I was saying earlier, that are successful in mitigating and stopping and defending against attacks have been the ones that know how to deal with it and don't have to rely on reading the manual for your response line as it's occurring. It just flows and happens naturally. Thank you for tuning in to Prima's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Should you have any questions regarding this podcast or any podcast in this series, please email education at primacentral.org. To learn more about Prima's educational resources, please visit primacentral.org. Thanks again.